Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Three more weeks of isolation. Woohoo! When I get my guillotine, tell you what. <laughs> Please do. I don't have to worry about anything anymore. <laughs> Off with my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to make him suffer a bit more. Off with somebody else's head. <laughs> All right, guys, we're back with a new episode of the Speakeasy Noir cast. And today we're going to be talking about the 1955 film, The Desperate Hours. Um, but first, uh, we're going to make a drink. And tonight's drink is uh, called The Matador. And the Matador is a tequila drink. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> tequila is my favorite. It's uh, something I have to stay away from. Um, I, I don't drink it and haven't drank it in years, really, except for like, you know, a one off occasion. I'll have a drink that's got tequila in it. But <laughs> A <laughs> bottle. No, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, the Matador is one and a half ounces of tequila three ounces of pineapple juice and a half ounce of lime juice. <clears throat> I love pineapple and I love tequila, so this is probably something for me. Sounds like a bit of a, a foo-foo drink, but that's okay. I can deal with that. I want a foo-foo drink. Yeah, you know, like uh, I'm, trying not to, I'm trying not to be disrespectful towards women, but do you call it a girly drink? What's a foo-foo drink? Foo-foo, like, you know, um, I don't know. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Foo-foo, like a, you know, like a wimp, wimpy, uh, wimpy drink, uh, a girly drink. Uh. That is so weird because foo-foos are like ladies' bits. Well, I mean, it's that's probably where the translation comes from, honestly. It's, you know, I don't know, I was trying to... <laughs> You've got like a winky and you got a foo-foo. <laughs> Why do you always laugh at me? <laughs> a winky and a poo Right? Okay. So when you've got kids and you're trying to, you know, don't touch your winky, don't touch your poo-poo. A winky. I don't even want to know. Okay, all good. That's, I mean, it's please. It's, I mean, I'm sure you can piece it together. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> you know, stop messing with your poo-poo. Stop winky. messing with your winky. The winky's yeah. hilarious. It reminds me of... Uh, have you seen the movie Bridesmaids? <laughs> yeah. When they're in the coffee shop, <laughs> I can't even talk about it. Anyway, <clears throat> moving on. <laughs> so I don't think we should call it a food food drink. Okay. Okay. It's a um, <laughs> it's a wimpy drink because <laughs> it's got stuff <laughs> in it. It's not straight. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> the Matador. <laughs> 
Add ice and water to a cocktail glass to chill the glass. Add ice to the 10 side of a Boston shaker. In the mixing glass, add tequila, pineapple juice, and lime juice. Pour the contents of the mixing glass into the ice tin and secure the glass to the, to the tin. Shake the contents until the ice sounds different <laughs> and the contents are cold. Open the Boston shaker, empty the cocktail glass, then strain the contents of the shaker into an empty glass and serve. Oh my God, I feel like Tom Cruise in cocktails. Yeah, it's exactly. It's it's basic cocktail. You know, you put it into a shaker, you combine your ingredients and shake it and strain it. I'm not, I don't, don't know. Don't mention foo-foos. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm going to try this. I got uh, pineapple juice and I got tequila and uh, I do have lime juice, so I'm good to go. <clears throat> there you have it, folks. The Matador. Hope you guys try it at home. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> the book club bestseller, the prize-winning Broadway play, William Wyler brings to the screen the story of a family in its most desperate hours, filled with the warmth, the emotion, the stirring courage you found in his great Academy Award-winning productions, The Best Years of Our Lives, and Mrs. Miniver, with this great all-star cast. Shut up, Mr. Hilliard. Mystery called you. You can't turn this on us. us. I got my guts good and full of you, Mr. Hilliard. Guys like you, smart-eyed, respectable suckers. You're afraid, aren't you? Yes, son. I'm afraid. And I'm not ashamed of it. Sometimes it's better to be afraid. Bard, you can't put off a showdown. Nobody wants a showdown any more than I do. But we can't get the poor slob's family massacred. Go on. First the old man on the truck, then the school teacher. Now the guy out here. Somebody's gonna get wise. Oh, darling, we're not saved if anything happens to you. I, I will let you go. Ellie, that's the way it is, that's all. You do as I say. Our job is to help you and get away from here. Take your men, your guns, your lights, and get away. There's been a murder in my county. The papers are beginning to scream. Oh, what do I care? My family's in that house over there. So The Desperate Hours is a 1955 film noir starring Humphrey Bogart, Carly's favorite, well, second, secondary favorite, as we learned in the past weeks here. Which he I'm doesn't like, sing. I'm a little disappointed with, but that's all right. <clears throat> uh, starring Humphrey Bogart and Frederick March. It was produced by and directed by William Wyler and based on a novel and a play of the same name written by Joseph Hayes. Interesting enough, they were both loosely based on actual events. <clears throat> so as far as um, home invasion films go, um, well, I guess even before we kind of get into that, um, I, I doubt most people will even know the original story behind this. So maybe Carly should go into your uh, in a nutshell. 
famous. <laughs> your famous, your famous nutshell uh, synopsis um, of the desperate you're hours. You're dropping a lot of words, you know. Okay, damn it! I've been right, drinking so a lot. First of all, it's famous. Yeah, Fifi drinks. <laughs> it's, it's. But you call it the, the Willy and the Foot? No, uh, the Winky. Winky. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's famous right. synopsis in a nutshell, and you're not calling me lady. My I don't apolog- know if I should go down that down this route after the foofy thing. My but. apologies, lady Carly. Thank you. Please, your lady ladyship Carly. is fine. Your ladyship, your ladyship. May you continue. So, right. My synopsis in a nutshell: three escaped and deranged convicts play a tense game of cat and mouse. With the original Liam Neeson. <laughs> okay. Are you joking? <laughs> well, who's Liam Neeson in this movie? The dad? Yeah. It's like Taken, except the opposite. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. okay. I like to bring a bit of culture. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm resigned to the fact that you're going to always reference Keanu Reeves. Uh, uh, what's his name? And and I guess Liam Neeson. Oh, I'm not a big Liam Neeson fan. I just thought this was very yeah. Uh, well, Liam Neeson's great, but yeah, very right. Taken esque. Taken esque. I don't know. I wouldn't call it Taken esque. I would. Have you seen uh, Unlawful Entry? No. Hmm. See, I'm a Kurt Russell fan. I guess you're not. No. <sighs> That's too bad. Kurt Russell's amazing. <clears throat> All right. So that was pretty good. Um, as far as home invasion movies go and we just talked about the purge recently which um this was not dissimilar to um however this one is based on reality and something that did happen to a family the hill family on september 11th and 12th of 1952 and it did not take them long to make a movie or a play (laughs) um of this so this happened in 52 this movie came out in 55 so that's three years later Right. Takes, a, you know, I, I don't know, back in the 50s, like how long it took to make a movie. I think they probably shot him in like a week or two. Editing, I don't know. But anyway, um, there was a play and uh, what a book with the same name. And this all happened in a three year period. So it's like this must have been a huge, huge story at the time. I found it kind of fascinating that the I guess the Hill family ended up suing. I'm not sure if it was the production company of the desperate hours, or maybe it was the play or the novel. One of them, it, it, it they sued because, um, they said that the events that took place were nonviolent and respectful. Oh, and nobody was hurt. And I guess they just sat around till the time came and the people left. Well, that doesn't sell tickets. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So but, you can see why. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's, it's interesting at how, sensationalized it is in the film um which i get i totally understand and i'm i'm probably certain i don't know how how does it even go together (laughs) probably certain probably certain (laughs) i'm i'm pretty sure that there was probably some events that took place in the home that they probably just don't want to talk about or want to keep private and i mean obviously this is like you know a hundred years ago 
Um, and uh, not quite that long, but you know, it is a long time ago where you know every, th this entire story is probably forgotten. On most people. say a hundred years ago. I think I'm worried about your concept of time. <laughs> I know, like it's time is relative, but I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> do not make fun of my math skills, my lady. <laughs> Milady. Oh my God. Yes. I could make everybody call me Milady like Parker <laughs> at Thunderbirds. Oh, I need a pink car. <laughs> Put that on the list of things we need. Pink car. All right. Check. Pink car. And chauffeur. <laughs> and chauffeur. They don't make uh, chauffeurs that small for Hot Wheels. Are you mocking me? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not allowed. Just, just to be straight. <laughs> I told you when I put a guillotine on there as well. <laughs> In case anybody's confused at home, she's talking about killing me. <laughs> <laughs> just, just in case there's any confusion. But <clears throat> um, if the police ask, it's banter. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to let you start. I'm going to let you go. You go first. This show's yours. Is this so I ramble about Humphrey Bogart for like an hour and a half? Yeah, do it. Because I got a lot to say about Bogart. Is it good? Possibly. Why well, don't leave me hanging? Like you got talk. Give us something. Let's talk about the movie. You go. Start. Oh, okay. But I did. I did have something else to say that was oh, not interesting. Not interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, as long as we're talking about not interesting stuff, go ahead. Yeah, that's the new bit. It's not exciting bits. It's boring bits <laughs> from Carly's brain. So, I was watching the Desperate Hours, mm -hmm. but before I was watching the Desperate Hours, I was watching the Blacklist. And I realized that because of this isolation, I might be slowly falling in love with James Spader. Oh, well, I mean, you're only about 20 years late on that one. I Did know. Everybody like, fall in love with him in the 90s and, you know, late 80s? I think so. I've got like a, at least like a 30 year delay. You had to wait till he's on... bald and fat to, to fall yeah, for him. <laughs> pretty much. I'm Jeez. eyeing up at that bald spot thinking it's pretty no, shiny. That's, that's great. You're giving, uh, you're giving uh, bald fat dudes a ray of hope there. Yeah. So uh, all you got to do is as wear a fedora. As long as you've got a waistcoat on and they can kill people. Right. But, you know. <laughs> uh, no, Spader's great, man. I, I think he's fantastic. He's, he's, you know, yeah, he's really good. Um, they were lucky to land him for that show. And, I mean, he hadn't done a lot, I guess, since, uh, well, I don't know, for a while, really. Um, so it was surprising to see him show up, you know, another film actor in, in a TV show like that. But he really brings uh, – a great level of uh, craft to that show. I mean, it's 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 one of those things where it's like you know the same thing sort of every week, um, but just watching him. I'm too far into it now. I can't. I can't tap out. Yeah, and that's cool because I mean that just you know I mean he's he's great to watch so you know. But <clears throat> anyway, and we could probably do an episode because it has its noir elements to it. Oh, or that espionage, was... but. Anyway, completely unrelevant. It's just because I, on the page before the desperate hours, hey, I wrote. Anything I think I'm in love relevant. with. Okay. Anything for Dora. Right. That's a dangerous game. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I wrote on the page beforehand. I'm liking James Spader. Cool. You know, speaking of fedoras, I shot this movie called Story of Eva, right? And uh, Rico Ross from uh, Aliens is in it. That's an excellent fedora. Yeah, and I, I had to f sort of fight to get him to be able to wear the fedora. The director was unsure. 
and uh, he had um, um, uh, an associate producer that was um, had you know a lot of um, I'd say control over certain things that probably she shouldn't like hatswear. have. Hatswear. Yeah. Well, I guess she had his ear. I'll say that, which isn't a bad thing. It's good to be able to trust people, you know, when you're making a film. But she definitely had his ear, and she made a comment when I brought up like the fedora. I think it'd be really cool. It's like the modern, you know, sort of fedora. I'm sure it has a different name than than fedora, but it's basically the shorter brim fedora hat. And uh, she said something along the lines like, "Anything that you can find in Target, we're not putting in this movie." <laughs> like. What's Target? Tar- Target's like a uh, like a discount, not a discount store. It's it's just a oh, like Primark. Yeah, I don't know what that is. You know what a Walmart is? Yes, that's Asda. We've been over that. Okay, oh, that's right. Yeah, so Walmart. It's like a Walmart kind of. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> maybe maybe a step above Wal. I'm not really sure, honestly. I really don't know. Women love it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> the foofies love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stop saying poofy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry, actually. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That meant something completely different to me before, and now it doesn't. You ruined it. <laughs> or made it so better. Happy. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like that, always, that always irked me and pissed me off that that was like, I'm like, you know what? Fedora's been around forever and not going to be around forever. So, you know, get off your, you know, high horse. snobby high horse. Yeah. Yeah. Put Fedora on. Right. I can't, can't help it if somebody tried to popularize it and mass produce it and all that kind of stuff now. And what? Anyway. But I wear a Fedora all the time if somebody would let me do that. Dude, I would too if I didn't have such big ears. <laughs> That's the only thing <laughs> so that we'll stops me. So we'll just get me. you an ear operation <laughs> exactly. and then we can all wear Fedoras. <laughs> I'm just going to trim them with a pair of scissors and. <laughs> I, can, I can't pull off a fedora. I don't know. It just doesn't work for me because I, yeah, I always wanted to be Indiana Jones and I just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it does not work for me. I'll be the one odd dude that doesn't have the fedora. <laughs> <laughs> the one henchman that can't yeah. have that. <laughs> <clears throat> I'll just have to be stuck with the uh, revolver and the uh, trench coat. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So, yeah, take it away, Carly. I don't know what to say. Other than I really, really liked it. Why? Did you like it, actually? No, Did you no, like no. So it? You're, you're deflecting. You tell us. No, I, no You're I'm deflecting, you deflector. Excuse me. <laughs> Lady deflector. deflector. <laughs> Foofy deflector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no, that's nothing. No. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> nope. As soon as, I, as soon as I said it, I thought, no. <laughs> so, hey, Carly, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. All right, guys, we're back. and We're going to keep talking about this film. I'm interested to see if you like it because Buffy Bogart's the bad guy and you don't like him as the bad guy. Mm, Whereas I really do. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy him being a bad guy? This is about you. Hey. <laughs> You're trying to turn it around, and I'm not going to let you. That's a good question. I'm not going to let you. No, you Are you ask, not going to tell the you people? You can't ask me questions until later. You have to. Well, I didn't know it was <clears throat> question round. This is, yeah, this is definitely quite, this is Carly's turn to not ask questions and just talk. Tell us what you think of the Desperate Hours. 
think it's freaking brilliant. How's this movie open up? Like, like what do you think it was going to be the first time that you watched it? Um, do you know what? This is the only Humphrey Bogart film that my husband has ever sat and watched. Really? Yeah, shocking. I know. Hmm. I've been trying to train him. I beat him, but you know. <laughs> um, and he didn't. When I was watching it, he didn't start watching it until he they went in the house. And then he was like hooked. The minute that they went in the house, he was absolutely hooked. That's pretty early on, though. Yeah, which I thought was fascinating because you haven't really got a lot of setup. Yeah. Before they go in the house. What is it like? What you say? Ninety-five percent of it, ninety maybe ninety-six percent of it's in the house. Mm-hmm. And it's a long movie too. It's almost yeah. two hours. Oh yeah, it's quite a long movie. Mm-hmm. You don't realize how long it is. And I really don't like that guy. What's his name? One of the three evil henchmen, the one that kills that lovely little old man. Oh yeah. Really mm-hmm. early on. He reminds me of uh, one of the Three Stooges or something like that. He's mean. I don't like him. Well, he. he <clears throat> Anyway, yeah. Because I didn't. What I didn't get about that whole scene was that the old bloke sees the car in the garage and thinks, "Oh, something's not going around. You know, something's not right here." And then he climbs on the side of his lorry while there's about eighteen people walking down the street. Mm-hmm. How is that not? How is that not suspect? Well, yeah. I mean, he obviously wasn't the brightest, you know, banana in the bunch. Let's go and kill this old man because he's seen a car. But by killing the old man, I'll climb on the side of a moving lorry while there's 18 people walking past with a gun in my hand Mm -hmm. and jump in the passenger seat. Right. I thought they did a pretty good job in um, playing, you know, showing us what that guy's particular intellect level is. You know, he is uh, he's childlike. He, you know, he's not quick witted at all. Yeah. you know, and he just kind of does what he wants to do. It's, there's no logic there. I mean, there is logic, but it's his own internal logic. It's not. It's know. not the bigger picture. Because I really like the uh, the power shift in it. You know, when he sort of like dispatches his little minions out to go and do stuff and he mm-hmm. gives them each a gun. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes to get the guns back and he can't. <laughs> yeah. And it's, that's just when you think, oh, man, you're screwed. Yeah. I think I'll hold on He's to like, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll have that gun back. And they're like, no, nah, man. I'll keep hold of this. He's like, oh, okay. You should have brought three. <laughs> yeah, should have brought three. The moral of the story. Yeah. Well, you know, I from the opening of the movie uh, to the just the camera work, um, how they had it inside the car, and you're watching the houses kind of go by. Um, I was I was pretty gripped with it. I thought that was a very interesting way to open it. We don't see them. We don't know exactly what's happening. And I'm I'm not 100% sure why they chose the house with the bicycle laying in front of it. You know there's a kid there. And I, that's I, that might be why they picked it though, cuz they're more susceptible to do what they want. Yeah, which I guess that that might have been the logic and that sort of went back to um the movie Suddenly that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um and how they utilized the kid in that film cuz it's very similar films in terms of that just the idea of the plot is a little different. Uh, I guess their reasoning, the, their backstory for it. Um, but just the camera work there at the beginning was, you know, had, was enough to keep hold my interest because, you know, whoa, what's going to happen here? What's what's going on? Because I didn't read anything about this film, including the synopsis, um, when I watched it. I wanted to approach it with fresh 
Fresh Eyes. <clears throat> um, and the first have you ever seen it before? No, I've never seen Desperate Hours before. No, I wow. thought I had, um, but I did not. This was a brand new movie to me. I think it's it's really like really beautifully shot, considering they're in one location for like mm-hmm. ninety whatever percent of the time. You know, the staircase where you've got them arguing at the top and then you've got him at the bottom. I just, it just looks fantastic. Yeah. It just looks lovely. This is the type of movie we need to make. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think the camera work is great. I think the acting is solid. Um, there, there isn't anything that I could fault this movie on other than the time. It's too long. Um, I think there's a lot of areas where it could be trimmed up. I wouldn't take any scenes out. But I would just trim them down a little bit. Um, and I think you could probably save a solid like 10, 10 minutes just trimming a little pieces here and there. <clears throat> Which I think would make the movie stronger. But um, speaking of Bogart, what you wanted to bring up. Um, I thought he was great in this. I thought he was well seasoned by this. I don't know. I don't know what his age was in this movie, but he's So getting... I think this was his second to last film. Was it? Okay. Because he was looking pretty <clears throat> I'm, I'm long pretty in the I'm pretty sure. I could, be, I could be wrong, but I'm 95% certain that The Harder They Fall was his last film. And this was one, the one before it. Okay. But I could be lying. Yeah, because he was looking pretty old. Yeah. Um, but he was still able to, you know, he, I don't, he wasn't old. I mean, don't get me wrong, because Bogart died fairly young. Um, but I mean, compared to the other stuff that I had seen him in, I hadn't seen him in something where he looked this aged, you know, I, I guess I've seen most of his other work that where he's fairly young. I think it showed that like he couldn't in this in particular, it showed that he couldn't fight back as much as what he could have years ago. Well, Do you know what I mean? Like when they're running circles around him, taking the guns, they won't give him back. He's only sort of got one thing to fall back on. He hasn't actually got any, like, bark to his bike. Well, see, I, I think that was a personality trait, though, because I don't think he was ever as bad as he wanted people to see him as. Like, and I think that was only mm. just just so he could maintain control in the house. Like, it, I think it was pretty apparent that he never really wanted to kill anybody but I don't think he was also the smartest guy in the world either. He wasn't as incompetent as um, the one the one guy, um, the big guy. But he was – I don't think he fully thought certain things out. You know, like the whole weird debate and struggle about are they, is he just going to take the dad or also the girl. You know, I, I felt like he – yeah, because that was weird because he was, like, taking the girl for his brother. Yeah. And which, his brother was like, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like there was a certain sort of level of um, I, I still need my brother to look up to me kind of thing. Like, he still felt like he needed to be the big brother, and he was slowly losing his grasp on, on – on, I wouldn't say controlling his brother, but just – I felt like his brother was very important to him in this film. And he yeah, just wanted when to, he when he dies, it all falls apart. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, and and it it was sort of like the um, just his, his. I don't know. I felt like it was his motivation was more geared towards his brother than it was even the money or anything else. Like he was only doing everything he's doing to 
I wouldn't necessarily say impress his brother, but just to kind of, hey, I'm going to take care of you and show you how to, you know, how to live life because we've had a shitty life and this is, this is the way to do it kind of thing. Oh. Um, you know, so I don't, I, I never really looked like Bogart was like really a bad guy per se, just for the sake of being evil in this film. I just felt like it was the only kind of life that he knew. Um, and I never really felt like he fully had any intentions of hurting anybody on purpose anyways, other than just, uh, either survival or necessity if, if it came to it. I really liked Pop. Yeah, he was good. I can't, I can't remember his name right now. Um, he was brilliant. Yeah, he was good. I thought the, uh, he seemed to be, you know, I honestly, I do think some of the actions that he took was just a little too forced because there are certain times where it just felt like, you know, yeah, if you just sit down and shut up, everything's going to be totally fine. <laughs> you know, but he couldn't do it. And I understand that, you know, being, you know, having a family of my own, I, I totally get that. You're, you never know what's going to happen. You don't know these people. Are they telling the truth? Or are they not? Um, you know, is there any reason that they're going to leave you and your family still alive? You know, so there's all these things that go through your mind and you have to try to do what you feel is best for your family. But going through the movie, I couldn't help but think of, man, if he just like, there's no less than like three or four times where I was just like, man, if you had just sat down, shut up, did what he said, you know, you probably would have been in a lot better shape. You wouldn't have that big ass bump on your head. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah. your kid probably wouldn't have almost got killed by falling off the roof and, you know, whatever else. It just, just sit down, dude. <laughs> See, I wonder if Chuck is the secret hero of this film. The annoying boyfriend that just won't go away. Seems to be a theme. Well, I think the whole, yeah. And I wonder if and he happens. did. He did a good job of getting her out of the house, to be fair. At the end? Yeah. When yeah. he's when he realizes what's going on and he's like, oh, it's all right. I'll just uh, come take you for a date. He did a good job of getting her out of the house. It's just a shame about everybody else that was in the bloody house. But, you know. And I'm surprised that any of that worked. <laughs> like in today's <laughs> day, I don't think any of that stuff would have worked. I think as soon as she got out of that house, it would have been to the cops. I mean, I guess if they were to make this movie again today, they would amp up the violence quite a bit and, you know, figure out a way to make sure that she didn't go to the cops. I, I guess I guess he he sort of was to a certain extent, but I don't think his he really impacted the story overall, because had he not been there, I think the outcome would have pretty much been the same. Yeah, but I like the scene at the end where he lets him in the house like a dog. You know, right at the end after everything's been defeated and Humphrey Bogart's done his last little, I'll break the police light and then I'll die. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of like, they all walk towards the house and then the door opens and he goes, come on. <laughs> and then Chuck just runs inside like a little dog. Yay! <laughs> yeah. I thought, aw. <laughs> we accept you now. <laughs> we accept you now, <laughs> yeah. You may come in the house unbothered. Martha, get Chuck some... Some kibble. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like the ending bit. That's where the, he kind of like makes him walk the plank. You know, I did uh, read somewhere that the house at the end of the movie is the house that they shot, I guess, exteriors of Leave It the Beaver. Supposedly it's the same house. Ooh. I don't think it was the main house in the, I believe it was just in the later seasons of Leave It to Beaver they used that as the exterior house. Because the original one, I'm pretty sure, is on the back lot at Universal Studios. 
Um, going back to the, uh, what was it, a junk hauler? Or was he a mechanic? I can't remember what the old guy that got shot was. Oh, that poor little old man. Wasn't he delivering milk? Oh, yeah, he was. I think he was, yeah. Oh, he's just a bloody elderly milkman. Yeah. I thought that he played it well, though, like when he jumped out of the car and it wrecked and everything. And um, I'm, I was kind of surprised that he got shot. Um, and I'm also surprised that the big lug got away so easily. <laughs> Cause, I know, yeah. Come pick me up. I just right. killed somebody. Right. And I, I would assume that the person that stopped to help would have gotten killed too instead of him running away because why not? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Probably would have bought him some more time. But yeah, I mean, um, there's a lot of uh, back and forth, you know, between Bogart and his henchmen and and the family, and it's all fairly believable, um, you know. And I like the little bit, uh, little pieces of change, you know, the change of scenery from, you know, when he does jump on the truck and, you know, with the old guy, and uh, when the dad does leave at the, you know, towards the end, and um, the daughter, and all that kind of stuff, being able to get that little change of scenery, and also the um, him getting to a point where he kicks them all out of the house, you know, but then come to find out the son tried to escape, you know, jumping off the roof or whatever. And, um, well, always little them. rebels, aren't they? These little boys. Yeah. Like the whole family was, everybody was just like standing their ground, <laughs> like, you know? Um, so, and I think, I think little boys were probably a little more rambunctious back then, um, than they are today. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a, pretty good solid home invasion film um I, I would be interested to find um the original novel and also maybe a biography on what happened in 52 to the whole family kind of see I, it feels like they could make a documentary about it like right now you could show up on netflix all the true crime stuff that they have yeah that would be quite interesting because mm -hmm. it's a very unique home invasion story it's not like oh they came in and murdered everybody right, right it's like they came in and kind of made us do our normal life for three days right yeah and it, it again i'll go back to uh suddenly because it it does have a lot of those same sort of ideas that suddenly does do you see what i mean though when i said that like the last act of suddenly uh -huh. is where it kind of faltered whereas the last act of the desperate hours is where i thought it kind of amped up the most? Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't really agree with you on suddenly, though. I don't think it faltered towards the last act. But I see what you're saying, yeah. Like, I thought the, I thought the last act of suddenly was pretty good. I think that's where it started getting good. I mean, there was no electrocution in the desperate hours, but... No. You know, Humphrey Bogart broke a police light, so... Right. Well, it was a much bigger house, too. <laughs> it was, yeah. There was a lot more space. Yeah. <laughs> Which there was that whole air of classism in this film as well. Um, so there, there is some, you know, quite a bit of social commentary in this film opposed to suddenly where um, he's just doing it for the money. And, you know, we get some backstory about him in the military and that sort of thing. And, and you know, sort of PTSD sort of idea. That's where this one uh, felt like it was more of a social commentary to the everyday man and classism and things like that, which is, I think the tendency of most home invasion movies. I think you'll never see a rich dude breaking into a poor person's house. Um, although I wonder what that film would look like. We should make that film. Cause I've got, I mean, I'm poor and I've got some pretty cool stuff to make. Yeah. Well, Hey, let's, 
I mean, nobody come around to my house. We'll have to look at that then because, I mean, <laughs> think think about it. Like why – what would what would drive somebody with money in the quote-unquote good life to break into somebody's house that's you know doesn't have anything? It's always the other way around. Yeah. The, on, the only reason you do that is if you realize that money didn't bring you any happiness and you wanted a slice of happiness. But it's just something you don't see very often. You don't, you don't really ever see that. Little niche market there. Could be. Could be. We'll call it the desperate hours. The, de- <laughs> the more desperate hours than before. <laughs> All righty. Um, so what do you give this film, Carly? Ah, yeah. I think you should go first. All right. So I'm... <sighs> I'm going to give it a six. Oh, what? Yeah, I know. But let me explain myself, okay? I thought it was good, and I thought Bogart was exceptionally good in it. Um, I I enjoyed the film quite a bit, but I felt that it was just way too long. Um, There's too many periods of, like, just stuff just not happening, and it just needed some editing. You know, and I think that might have came out of the time period and that it was so rushed. I went, I don't know if it was rushed, but I mean, the original incident happened in 52. The film came out in 55. So um, I think just based on the subject matter and how pop culture it was at the time that they had a lot of leeway to embellish and, you know, make a long film and people would sit through. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like watching it now, I just think it needed to be trimmed. I think it needed to be trimmed quite a bit. I think an hour and 40 minutes probably would have been great. If you could have trimmed about 10, 15 minutes off of it, that would have been awesome, and it would have been a much solider film. Um, I, there was nothing that really felt completely unbelievable, I would think, for the time period. I think it wouldn't work this way today um, without some major Well, no, because it'd all be on bloody Facebook, wouldn't they, saying hashtag, <laughs> not Mark safe. Right. <laughs> um, so it definitely would have some issues today, but... Um, so for that, it didn't really stand the test of time, so to speak. Um, it, it, it feels dated as to, you know, suddenly could, could happen today. You know, it does happen. People still get assassinated and things like that. And, you know, there's, there are even desperate hours. There's still home invasions, things like that, but nothing, I think that would be this, would play out this way that this film does. Um, so yeah, I think, I think like five. Six, <gasps> six, maybe. You're dropping a rating right now. Yeah, I think six. I think six is good. Six? Yeah, it's because, and it's solely based on on the idea behind it that's based on something real. And Bogart is so good in the film. The rest of the cast is pretty good too. Um, but, you know, it didn't, I don't, again, I don't know if it broke any new ground. Uh, some of the camera work is good. It's it's not fantastic, but it keeps things interesting. Um, but it didn't really jump out at me, you know, as like being something amazing, you know, but it's a good movie. I think, you everybody, are shocking. yeah, but I, I mean, everybody should watch it. It's a good movie. It's definitely something like if this came out on like a Blu-ray or something like that and it was like remastered, I would buy it. Like this is something I would keep in my good. library. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> it's definitely worth watching again. Like I would watch it again. I just don't, I, I don't think it's like, uh, um, you know, it didn't break any ground. Yeah. So. I'm going to give it, <clears throat> I feel like we need a drum roll or something instead of a cough. A 
done. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm stunned. I'm speechless. Ten. Ten. Gin's at a ten. Explain no yourself, my lady. No shots left. No lime left. Nothing. <laughs> oh, God. You ate the bottles. <laughs> All of it. And lick the rim. No. Oh, God, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <coughs> I should start making you choke. <laughs> okay. I did not, 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 I did not gonna, do that. I'm not even going to ask. We'll just... <coughs> <laughs> it's not that kind of show. <laughs> it is not, people. <laughs> it's going that way, but it isn't. <laughs> We need a moderator. Winkies, foo-foos, and rim Winkies, lippers. you, hey, you brought the winkies and the foo-foos to the party, right? Not me. You brought it. You brought it. This is all you, you today. You brought it. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Stop it. Now you're making me cough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to give it a 10 because, number one, Humphrey Bogart's a bad guy and he fucking owns it. Mm-hmm. Number two, this is the only black and white film my husband has ever watched well, without being made to. Street, you need to open your you know, mind a little bit and watch something besides uh, football. I, I say the same thing, but I didn't even have to threaten him or nothing. You watch this. <laughs> so, number two. Number three, I think it's absolutely terrifying to sit and think in that position what you would do. With the badass Liam Neeson guy. Mm-hmm. Is it right? Is it wrong? You do. It gets in your head. And number four, I'm a lady. And I said it's 10 out of 10. Okay. That I wasn't expecting. I like to shop. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I really wasn't. I was expecting maybe an eight. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. All right. Well, good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I have this feeling that our ratings are just off enough to where I feel the same as you. We're just saying different numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you really meant was a six, Carly, is what I'm saying. You really meant a six. <laughs> no, I meant a 10. I think you meant a bloody 10 for suddenly. Yeah, well, maybe if it was a 10 out of 20. Oh, we're playing that game, are we? <laughs> I think 10 out of 10 is very fair. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's your personal opinion, so anything's fair. I mean, even though it's wrong, but it's fair. Hey, I'm not wrong. I'm a lady, okay? (laughs) All right. If you say so. And also, you put everybody off watching it from going on about foofies, haven't you? (laughs) You did that. (laughs) You you brought the foofies to the party. I've already told you. So now nobody's going to watch The Desperate Hours because they just think, oh, me and you going on about Foofies and Winkies. I think that's only the British people. I don't think anybody else like... (laughs) (laughs) You get your own language. (laughs) (laughs) Stealing art. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, there you have it. You got uh, six gens out of ten. And you got ten out of ten. And we know I'm right and Carly's wrong. And that's just the way it is. and And I'm a lady and you're not. You, you most definitely are a lady and I am not. <laughs> <laughs> not right now, anyway. <laughs> uh, but you you guys uh, watch it for yourself and let us know what you think because um, it is a good movie and I think it should be watched. And if it's out there on uh, disc, you know, you should be able to pick it up. 
um, and and check it out. Uh, I, I do think it's uh, very Definitely well Definitely one to recommend. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. There's not many films that I'd recommend blindly, but I, I would definitely recommend this. Well, it's not film. blindly because you've seen it. <laughs> well, I, would, I don't go telling everybody to go and watch Memento every two minutes. Well, that's surprising, by the way. Well, I do. That's a lie. I mean, bad film. I think people are just tuning in now just to hear you mock me in every episode. I really hope so. <laughs> I mean, if they want to encourage it, let me know. <laughs> I can dial it up to 10. All right. I think I think you might send me to an early grave or make me cry. <laughs> One or the other, hey, I'm not sure. <laughs> I make people cry with joy, okay? Because okay. I'm a beautiful human. Lady. Yeah, beautiful lady human. <laughs> That's never going to get old. I'm so going to be doing this when I'm 50. Excuse me, you didn't say lady and you didn't curtsy. <laughs> My husband instantly regretted it the moment he told me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was like, after I'd been, you know, so excited about it. He just looked, I just saw the look on his face like, oh shit, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you should be a lad. You and Shoni can be lad and lady. And then we'll like combine our patches. I will settle for nothing less than Lord. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, you've always got to be picky, haven't you? Yep. <laughs> I was gonna, we could combine our patches and get like a little bench or something and people can go there and listen to our podcast on our little patch of <laughs> land. Hey, it's just a little lawn chair with a Walkman, like a 90s Walkman. Yeah, yeah, we haven't got no technical shit. We haven't got no technical stuff. you got to bring your own phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, there's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> That's a tenor. All right, guys, there you go. Uh, the Desperate Hours, we hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh, stick around. Well, don't stick around, but join us again next week when we uh, discuss another film. And uh, until then... Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noir Cast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, available now on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films available on Amazon Prime.